time. I believe I was just about 24, 25 years old. Uh, I'm in the worst shape of my life. I've got a, a failing business. I've got a girlfriend who I don't know how is sticking by my side through this whole thing. And she's willingly still coming to take care of me when need be. And um, like, what do I do? You know, I, I, I built this thing with this, this, this grand idea and, and these amazing visions in my head. And yet here we are, and it looks nothing like the dream that I put into my own mind. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Caged Vision Podcast. And we have got a scrappy, scrappy business owner, founder, entrepreneur, and a man who's just found a way to overcome a lot of odds. I'm, I'm excited to have Tom Keenan on the show. Tom, welcome. Hi, thanks for uh, having me on here today. Quite excited to be here and uh, share my story and some of my trials and tribulations with your audience. Yeah, when you, you know, you told me about, when we chatted earlier, you told me about, um, you know, not only have you been through some hard things, but you, you felt such a calling after going through those hard things that you felt like, you know, I've got to, I've got to write this down so that others don't have to go through this themselves. And you've actually written a book, which is, I want to get to it later in the show, but right now I'd love to just talk about the story, the story of in, in your journey, because everybody's, every, not everybody's uh, trials are going to be the same, but lessons that you took away, I think are really, really important. And I really want to highlight those before we get started. Um, I usually start with a, um, some silly questions about steak or fish, beach or mountains, east or west coast, mm -hmm. but you're a family man. And I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, not ask those traditional questions. I don't want to ask you, what is the favorite thing that you do with your family? It's a great question. Um, a couple things. First off, spend time with them. I know that's very vague. But uh, I think, you know, living the entrepreneurial life and, and being a, the owner of a couple of businesses, it's very easy to get swayed and, and just stick in, in the work grind nonstop. You got to just like pick your head out of the sand and you got to focus your time on them. And, and it could be something simple. You know, it doesn't have to be this uh, lavish, you know, Disney vacation where the whole family takes off for a week or 10 days. You spend your time with your children. Make sure that you're doing some simple stuff like read, you know, go draw a picture with them, go for a walk around the block, you know, go for a car ride to nowhere. But just make sure that you're you're focused on your children, and when you're doing it, make sure you're not in your phone too. You know, keep keep that to the side, shut it off, get away from it. Make sure your time is focused to your children, because I feel that they pick up on absolutely everything that we do as adults. Oh, Tom, you you just gave probably the best advice. I mean, not that the rest is not going to be fundamentally just basic to business, but I think a lot of people skip over this, and I'm so glad that you said that. One of the things that that I want to make sure that I highlight is that you said it's not about vacations. It's not about, it's about the time that you spend with them. And my, my kids, what I have noticed, and we've done some really, really fun things, but they remember just spending time and it can be as silly as a card game, just spending time. And as an entrepreneur, man, you know what it's like, you know what it's like to, to sort of not only, uh, be consumed by your business because let's be honest we take it home we 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 sleep with it we wake up with it uh, and it's hard not to bring that stress home right mm -hmm. very true yeah so, so all right so uh let's go in the way back machine mm -hmm. 
tell me when it's, you know, starting your own business is a pretty big deal. Tell me when, when the first idea of, you know what, I think I can do this on my own. Talk to me about that. I had to be about 14 or 15 years old, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I come from an entrepreneurial family. However, most uh, of those who attempted on my family were not successful with it. However, it, uh, it opened my eyes to the possibilities of, hey, you don't just necessarily have to go work for someone for the rest of your life. So <clears throat> I always had that idea and that mindset in the back of my mind, even as a young kid. And uh, I, I learned pretty quickly that I wasn't, I wasn't well suited for school. And I was more of a hands-on kind of person. I love learning. However, I want to learn on my terms and I want to learn what I want to learn. Um, which, <laughs> as you can imagine, uh, caught, ruffled a couple of feathers throughout my life and career. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I started and, and, and I was hanging around some uncles who uh, were into the car industry. I had one uncle who did auto body and I had another one who, uh, who owned a used car dealership and did uh, detailing. And they taught me the basics of their businesses. Mm you know, and how to do the, the, the technical part of it. And I realized pretty quickly that, yeah, this is cool and all. I like cars, but this isn't exactly what I want to do. I've always been a big music fan and um, wound up in right around 1996, 97. I was bitten by the car stereo bug. I was hanging out with a kid who was a couple of years older than me. And he had what I thought was the coolest thing in his car at the time. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know you can do that. You know, me being uh, someone who was big into music, still am to this day. And I was like, what? wait a second. So we can marry the automobile, which I love, and we can marry music, put them together, and I could probably go and make money or make a career out of this. You didn't have to tell me anymore. I was, I was in, and that was it. So, so let me go back. I want your uncles that taught you the business, mm -hmm. well, the basics, rather. You said, what were those basics? Uh, a lot of it had to do with work, work ethic, mm. um, staying true to your word you know, getting up and actually going to work no matter what, even when you didn't feel like it. Mm. You know, uh, one of the hardest things that we face as entrepreneurs and self-employed people is that we don't have a boss. Uh, there's nobody telling you, hey, uh, you know, now it's time to go do this or hey, I need this done by this date. Um, and, and that's where a lot of people falter and fall off because there is no structure unless you actually build the structure and framework uh, and so, stay within it. So good. So how do you, you know, I, I think I've seen a lot of people that, uh, that, yeah, and I'm sure you have as well, that they had everything in place except for the work ethic. Mm. How does, how did, you said your uncles taught you that. How did they teach you that? Uh, they weren't the nicest about it, to be quite blunt with you. Um, it was, you know, no, we're, we're leaving now. We're getting up now. Let's go. And, you know, honestly, I, I, was, I was enjoying it as, as, as strange as that sounds because I wanted to wanted to understand, I wanted to do more. And I felt as if, you know, I was hanging around the right people at the time that were gonna get me to where I wanted to go eventually. And these were just pieces of the puzzle that needed to get uh, instilled in me in order to uh, further my development and increase my chances and odds of actually doing what I wanted to do when I got older. Oh, that is so, so good. That's so good. Um, you know, I read last night that, you know, mm -hmm. and I've heard it before, but, and I may get, uh, I may botch this a little bit, but the discipline is, uh, the ability to convince yourself to do the things that you don't want to do now so that you can get the things that you want later. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is what they taught you. Uh, right. Yeah. 
Totally. You know, I mean, it was uh, some really long, long days, with long work hours, you know, you know, working for yourself, there is no time clock. There is no, Hey, Oh, I can only work eight hours today. Oh, today I'm going to work 10. And I find if you're truly passionate about your work, it doesn't matter what the clock says, you know, oh, yeah. to me, you know, granted right now, technically you and I are both working right now. Yeah, this isn't yeah. work. We're having a conversation yeah. and we're talking about business and life, things that, you know, we both enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you mentioned doing things that you love and it doesn't feel like work. You felt you, 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 like you said, you found music, you mm-hmm. found Carter cars and you said this, I, I love this. And so it doesn't feel like work. You take the leap, you take the first step yep. because you had this vision for, uh, Hey, I think I can do this. What, what do you, what, what was the one thing that made you take that leap? What gave you the belief that you could do it? Um, hands-on experience, basically going in and starting to do the work and realizing pretty quickly that, yeah, if I actually put a little bit of attention to this, uh, study it a little bit, you know, screw up a couple of times that I actually can go and do it. And, um, it wound up getting to a point where I felt that I plateaued. Uh, I could only teach myself so much. I, I, I wasn't working professionally at the time in, in the industry. So I was literally going out there and reading all the content that I could on the car audio industry on how to install the product you know, and why you would do this versus this. And then I started doing the work and it got to a point where I was like, all right, well, I don't know what else to do. And I went to my mom and I said, hey, my mom's, she's great, man. She's been my, my supporter from day one. She's like, you know, the anchor. I said, you know, I'm really into this car stereo thing. Uh, she totally got it. And I'm like, there's this awesome trade school up in Boston. You know, I want to go. And I don't know how she did it, where she came up with the money, but somehow my mom got my butt in a car up to Boston for about a three month program. And it was, you know, a real deep dive working in a live functioning car audio school that also had uh, a school section uh, married in with a working functional car audio business. So not only was there the classroom part of it that was teaching me the fundamentals, but then we would go into the shop and actually do the work, we perform the work. And, you know, we're talking some, some big dollar jobs we were doing there. Here, here I am, this 19 year old kid, and I'm, uh, you know, working on high dollar cars and uh, working for some famous people um, and, and putting some really cool systems together for them. And I just fell deeper and deeper in love with the industry and, and wanted more and more of it. Wow. Well, you know, I want to go back because one of the things you said really jumped out at me is that you're reading manuals. You don't, if you're not passionate about what you do, you don't pick up manuals and lead and read so that you can continue to learn. And, and what I love is that you consumed everything that you could and then said, I want more. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I love that your mother was willing to do whatever it took. I just, I just love that part of the story. So take me, uh, you, you finished this three month trade. Yep. Mm-hmm. What next? I go to work for a local guy here in Long Island. Uh, Happened to be one of the premier stereo shops at the time. Uh, lasted about three years there, and uh, you know, built myself up. Learned a ton about the industry, about vehicles, about people, and uh, got to a point where I was like, "All right, you know what? We're just kind of not in alignment anymore." And it was time to move on. It lasted about three years there, and. We had a little bit of a falling out at the end, and most most likely, uh, honestly, it was me just being you know a cocky nineteen year old and knowing better than uh, than the adult. <laughs> so uh, I uh, said, "All right, man, I'm sorry, but I'm out of here." I left, 
I had about 300 bucks in my pocket and I decided to figure out how to go start my own business. Oh my gosh. All right. So you said I spent about three years building my, what, what, what does that mean? What, what does it mean? So in there, I was um, hired on as an installation technician or a car stereo installer, whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, he was doing work for some of the real big name East Coast rap stars in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And we had any kind of vehicle you could possibly think of that had either two to four wheels uh, coming in and out of that shop. And the, the, to put a dollar amount on here to give people an idea, I mean, we were doing audio installations, you know, all the way up to about 60, 70 grand. That's just <laughs> audio on top of whatever the vehicle costs. So if you have a, a three or $400,000 Bentley that rolls in, yeah, we just dropped another 70K in music into the vehicle. Okay, okay. For someone who has an appreciation for cars and music, and but can't fathom the idea of dropping 60 to $70,000, how do you even do that? It's real easy, believe it or not. <laughs> so what do you, what do, what do I, what am I, this is, this is, you know, a stupid question, but sure. since I know nothing about the industry, I get mm -hmm. to ask stupid questions. Um, how in the world, what, what are the upgrades that I'm missing? Well, you know, going into the audio realm, uh, the components themselves are rather expensive. So depending on what your goals are, you know, and a lot of people want a real high end sound quality system, you, know, you could easily spend three or $4,000 on a set of front door speakers. Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going on the high end uh, realm of it, same thing with amplifiers, you can spend, you know, anywhere from a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand dollars per amplifier. The more speakers, the more power you want to Im implement into the system for increased volume and or sound quality is going to determine how many amplifiers you're going to put into the system. So the hardware alone could be 50% of that budget mm -hmm. of $70,000, right? The rest of it is going to come into your consumables that are needed for the vehicle. So all your wiring, your screws, your terminals, you know, uh, heat shrink, uh, sound deadening material, because you don't want the car to vibrate. So now the next portion of this is labor. So what labor is needed to get this work done? How long is it going to take? And most likely, if you're going to be doing a job that's around 70K, there's going to be some significant modification and fabrication done inside the vehicle. So... When we're done, depending on what the customer's requesting, we could have a fully customized trunk that you know looks like it came from Bentley and everything's integrated seamlessly like it was from the factory, yet everything is rebuilt. Or if they want the flash, they can have all the custom fiberglass panels, the lights, the plexiglass, the aluminum, and you know go complete West Coast custom style. That is wild to me. So basically, it, it sounds like you're in a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a real big dollar studio too. Like a high dollar studio. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Because you're in such a small environment in the automobile. Uh, I, I love it. Even, even if I had all the money in the world, I don't know that I would do that. But I love that people that, you know, that – that's what they're into and they're willing to spend their money on. That's cool. Whatever works for them. Right. Amen. Um, okay. So um, you start out $300, not mm -hmm. a lot, not a lot to start a business. Yep. Um, how do you start a business with $300? Started with me working out of my mom's driveway. Good old mom to the save to the, you know, the save again. And uh, I worked out of a driveway through a, a brutal New York winter um, oh made enough money and, you know, was able to then go and, and find a local place about a mile from my house and, and finally, you know, put some bucks down and sign a lease. 
uh, get a shop and then slowly build up, you know, what I had in there as far as tools and inventory and um, the facility itself. And the, the business lasted about five years in total uh, before it completely crashed and burned. Oh my gosh. Well, hold on, hold on. Cause it, all right. So you're scrappy, Tom. I love you mm-hmm. for that. I mean, that you just, you did it. Uh, with, you just started and, and I, I've talked to so many people and they're stuck on go and mm-hmm. every person that I have on this show says, you just have to start. Oh yeah. You just have to take action and start. And you did not, you did not take that. You didn't have a shop uh, as an excuse that you can't start. You started in your mom's driveway. That's just yep. awesome. So you get up, it, it's, it, it's running. You've got a lease, you've got a shop. It seems yep. like, you know, all of your, expectations and hopes were kind of in motion. How how did things come apart? Well, it's the age old, uh, you know, technical technicians problem or technicians curse, we'll call it. I was the technician and nothing more. So yes, I had the technical abilities to perform the work. I could do the fulfillment side of the business, no problem. But I didn't know anything else about business. I didn't know anything about accounting. I didn't know anything about bookkeeping. I didn't know anything about inventory, inventory management, or buying, or when to buy, you know? Um, I, I didn't know anything about, uh, oh, geez, we gotta pay bills? <laughs> we gotta pay for heat, and we gotta pay for electricity, and we've gotta get, uh, you know, some kind of signal in here for internet and, and TV for the customers? It was all new to me. And on top of that, you gotta clean the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Gosh. You know? So, um, I started, and I think as most humans do, we're gravitated to what's familiar, what we're comfortable with. And that's what we do. You did, you you basically built yourself a job. I built myself a job and nothing more. So I was the only person who was capable of producing any revenue for the business whatsoever, even though I had three or four people in total working there. And what did the other three or four do? We had one person, uh, you know, up front doing sales, collecting customer information, doing invoices. Hey, process the credit card, call this customer, tell them their vehicle's ready. Hey, I need you to run out and go pick up some parts. Um, So there were some tasks that these people were doing. However, I was the one who was performing the installations. So if I wasn't, I was the only guy who could do it. The only guy who could do it. Was there, was there a certain point in time or a certain piece of you where that was maybe a badge of honor at some point before you absolutely yeah yep absolutely and, and and you would caution those that are carrying that badge of honor for what reason you got to kind of move your pride out of the way because um owning a job is cool and it, it, it is for some people some people just own a job and it's not not necessarily a negative thing okay Depends on what your personal goals are in life. And I'm not, I can't tell you what your goals need to be Mm. and vice versa. But, you know, if you have aspirations to go out there and build a business, a sustainable business, you're just setting yourself up for complete failure. You know, you cannot be the only one who's, who's, who is capable of doing any of the steps within your business. If something relies on you and you alone, you become nothing but a roadblock, you know, and, and what happens if you get hurt? Mm. You know, what happens if there's a death in the family? What happens if you're building, you know, something happens to the building? I, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. And if you're the only one who can handle any of these situations, if you're the only one who can make a decision, if you're the only one who can give an answer, 
it's, it's a rough street to go down, man. Well, Tom, so you're talking to probably, um, you know, half of all doctors, a lot of lawyers, you're talking to mm -hmm. a lot of accountants, you're talking to a, a lot of people in, uh, in the industry that you started in. There's a, there, there are a large number of people that do that. How do you, well, I can't skip over the, the, uh, the breaking point. Mm -hmm. Take me to the breaking point and then talk to me about how you, you solved for that and what you had to do. But, sure. uh, but I'm uh, just, I'm so curious now, what happened? So I start this business and I'm the only one, right? Yeah. And again, it, we, we, we touched on it earlier. I love what I, what I do, okay? It wasn't work to me. So working the 20 hour days became the norm, you know, on my feet. Uh, some of the stress is added up, you know, you're, you're grinding all day long and there's not enough hours in a day. I start eating in a really unhealthy manner. Um, within a couple of years, my weight ballooned up. I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot four. Okay. Uh, I was just under or just around 300 pounds at my peak when I owned that first business. It's too heavy. Well, and crawling around in cars. Yeah. So now keep in mind, I'm six foot four and any kind of vehicle that comes in that's, you know, less than a, a pickup truck <laughs> or an SUV is kind of difficult to crawl into the dashboard in order to access a lot of the wiring that we need to interface to when we're installing car stereos, remote starters, alarm systems, and so on and so forth. And I would imagine you have to sort of contort your body. Into, yes. Yeah. Yeah, drastically in some instances. So um, we're here, we're a couple of years into it. It's a nice cold winter. Cold winters are great for remote start season. We've got more remote start installs to do than we know what to do with. Yet, I'm the only guy who can do them, so we can only do so many per day. Customer comes in, I say, all right, sir, drop your car off, I'll have it to you by the end of the day. He brings in, at the time, I believe it was a brand new Infiniti G35 Coupe. Uh, you don't know what kind of vehicle that is, Google it. It's small, it's cool, it's fast, cool car. Anyway, um, I get under this dashboard, I start performing this remote start installation, I get about halfway through it, and uh, I can't get off the floor my back is locked up. Now, prior to this, I had spent about three months, three straight months, and I literally had a pain in my rear. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I was too busy working to go see a doctor or go get any help and no health insurance. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So uh, I had this pain and I just kept popping Tylenol until it went away and it never went away. So it was so, a nerve. Yeah. So uh, I, had a, I had a pinched sciatic nerve in my, in my right, my right butt cheek. And, you know, if anyone here who's listening is familiar with it, which I'm sure they are, it's, it's very common. The pain starts getting worse. It starts going down the back of your, le your leg, my right leg, mm. all the way down. And at its peak, I had pain down to the tip, the very tip of my big toe. Oh my gosh. And this was every day, day in, day out, nothing you can do to, to alleviate it. There is things to do. However, I was too naive and too busy. So I thought to take care of it properly. So I let this fester and um, you know, it, it turned around and, and it bit me real hard. The force of average came in and it smacked me when I, it could not have been a worse time for it to happen to me. Let's put it that way. So I'm working on this vehicle and I'm on my hands and knees. I go to get up and my back is locked up. I physically cannot stand up. What now, hold on. When you say mm -hmm. it could not have been a worse time financially, or is it just you, oh. you employee stresses or all of the above. So financially, I'm already underwater because the business isn't, you know, generating what it should be. 
Because you uh, can only do what you can do. I can only do what I can do. And I'm, I'm not even making enough money to cover all my expenses. I haven't taken a paycheck since I started the business, mm. you know, and um, I've got a girlfriend who's now my wife. Thank God. She's a, she's a saint. You know, she <laughs> stayed with me through this whole thing and I barely saw her. So my, my relationships outside of the business started to um, kind of implode because I wasn't there to participate in them. So not only have you built yourself a job, but you're working for free mm -hmm. and you never see the person you love most. Correct. So not, not, not a great start. No, definitely not a good start. All right. And, and, then, um, and, then, and then literally, literally, not figuratively, literally you are on your back. Yeah. On the shop floor. Cold God. winter day. Oh my gosh. So I crawled over to the phone. And I called, called mom again. I said, hey, um, I'm not doing too good. I need your help. Mm. And luckily, you know, as I stated earlier, she lived about a mile down the road. Uh, she came over. And I don't know how the woman did it to this day. So here, picture this. Here's this six foot four, 300 pound guy. And she's, she's literally dragging dead weight out of my shop and into her, her SUV at the time to bring me over to the doctor or hospital, whatever it was that I went to at that point. Mm. And, you know, it was, it was definitely a very difficult and low time in my career. Um, that, you know, it, it still kind of haunts me to this day, but like most challenges and or failures, if you look at them the right way, you know, something positive can come out of them. So how long were you out of work? Three weeks. Three straight weeks. I didn't open my shop door for three weeks. Did, were you, I mean, was your head just spinning? Like with what am I, what's going to happen? Uh, yeah. So you always think the worst, especially in times, you know, when, when you're on your, when you've hit rock bottom, you're always thinking the worst thing here. Like what's going to happen? What's happened to my business, my relationship? You know, am I ever going to walk again? Am I going to be able to do anything physical? Am I going to be able to do any of this? And, um, it was, it was a real difficult time for me. You know, uh, I, I literally spent three days in bed and now on top of it, I've gone to see the doctor and they start giving you all the pills that aren't the best. So they start, you know, subscribing, uh, the, the opiates. I've never been a person to take meds or, or I'm not even a Tylenol fan, even though I have taken it. Um, but I start taking some of these pills and they just make you feel worse. Like so they're, they're just trying to numb you. Yeah, basically. So now I, 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 luckily, I don't know, I dodged the bullet. I did not get addicted to these pills. I took them for the, the couple of weeks that I needed to take them. And as soon as I could get rid of them and get them out of my life, I did. I just knew that they were no good. Uh, and I couldn't function with them. All they did was put me to sleep. I'm like, you know, this, this is not a way to go. At the time, I believe I was just about 24, 25 years old. Uh, I'm in the worst shape of my life. I've got a, a failing business. I've got a girlfriend who I don't know how is sticking by my side through this whole thing. And she's willingly still coming to take care of me when need be. And um, like, what do I do? You know, I, 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 I built this thing with this, this, this grand idea and, and these amazing visions in my head. And yet here we are. And it looks nothing like the dream that I had put into my own mind. So we're, and, and if it's, too personal to say, you know, I just want to move on, but it, were, were you depressed at this point? Yeah, I think, um, not tremendously. I think that, uh, most entrepreneurs, uh, do suffer from some form of depression. 
throughout their lives and careers. I mean, I, I certainly have. I wouldn't say I'm a depressed person. However, I do have ebbs and flows throughout the year. And I can sense when they're coming on now because I know, I know what's going on. I know more about the background of what causes them. Yeah. And I think we put such high expectations on ourselves mm-hmm. and, um, and, and more than likely you're an achiever and there had to be this sense of letdown. And listen, I have heard professional athletes talk about this after the Olympics. Yep. You know, they work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. There's this huge event that they built up to and it's gone and they have nothing to work for Mm -hmm. that is a depressing moment for anyone it's a real thing so here you are you're 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 at rock bottom is that fair to say sure absolutely how in the world did you find a way forward well a couple weeks passed i got back into my business uh i tried as hard as i could possibly try to, to to put the pieces back together but that three-week period of me not generating a single dollar of, of, of revenue, of income, was pretty much, it set the pace for the, for the remaining two years of the business for it to just, you know, come to a complete crumble and, and, and falter. So you stayed with it for another two years? Yeah, I was, uh, I know there's a term for it, but I didn't want to pull the plug. I just kept, you know, dumping more money and credit into it that I, that I could, and, and it just never it never came back around. You know, it was, it was a sinking ship and I could not plug the holes fast enough or didn't have enough wood to plug, plug the holes. Um, you know, and and when you start a business from, from the ground up, it's your baby. Mm. You don't ever want to, you know, get rid of your baby. So, um, I don't know the term either, Tom, but I think we can make one up and feel confident that it's close. And that's just a founder's uh, bias or founder's mm-hmm. blinders. You just don't want to let, you don't, you don't want to see the baby go down. Yeah, that's the truth. That is the truth. You know, a lot of it had to do with ego too, just to be completely clear and transparent because that's typically the way I like to do things. So I start this business at 21 years old, right? And I learned very quickly that I was able to impress somebody when I met someone and they would come to me and say, Hey, what do you do? I'm a business owner, dude, how old are you? I'm 21, 22, 23, whatever it was. And the reaction that I got off those people, you know, it was like a dopamine hit. Oh, yeah. So like, cool. And now the business does close down and there was a three year gap between my business closing and my new business forming. Right. And in that three year period, was there a depression as you, you know, hinted to earlier? I'd say, yeah, probably because yeah, I got rid of my baby that I, I attempted to build. And now when I meet somebody and they ask me, Hey, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, Oh, I work for somebody. Yeah. That was really difficult, really difficult for me. And I'm just being completely transparent. Yeah. Well, I love it because the only way for our listeners to actually understand uh, the journey is for people to be transparent. So I appreciate that. Did you have, uh, in, in that three years, did you have, I'm sure you've heard it referred to as imposter syndrome. Somewhat, somewhat. I was very fortunate. So the, the, that three year period there, it was, it was a great time in my life and I'm very grateful for it, particularly for one person. Yes. My wife, she's always been here through the whole thing. My mom has always been by my side too, but uh, this gentleman catches wind that I'm not in such, you know, great shape, mm. with multiple areas of my life. And he's a friend of a friend. 
and he happens to uh, to own a uh, an auto accessory and and you know customization shop about an hour's drive from where I'm living at the time. He reaches out to me and says, "Hey man," he goes, "You know, why don't you consider coming to work for me?" And I hadn't thrown the towel in yet on on my business. You know, too much ego there still. <clears throat> so um, I went out. I had a couple conversations with with him. Uh, he invited me and my girlfriend at the time, um, now my wife to, to come out to his house on a Sunday morning for breakfast. Like, you know, I've never had anybody, anybody in my life who I've ever gone to work for, you know, come off with such an oddball request. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, you know, he, he's a friend of this guy who's a friend of me. So what do we got to lose? So I take this hour and a half drive out to the far East end of Long Island. And if you guys know anything about Long Island, the East end is wine country. There's farms. I mean, it's, it's nothing like the city. Mm. It, it's gorgeous. So I go out there, I go to this guy's house, spend some time with him. I meet his family. I meet his wife. I meet his, his kids. He makes me breakfast and uh, we go for a walk. And long story short, I, the guy hooked me in. Something about him was just, you know, it was different. He cared. So uh, I said, "Yeah, man. Like, I'll, 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 I'll come help you." Because he needed help too. He needed someone to run his audio department of his store. Mm. And I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And he taught me a lot, um, and not just about business, not just about a, a lot about a lot of things, a lot about family, a lot about um, dealing with people, uh, diffusing. Uh, situations, listen, in the retail world, it can get funky real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Diffusing situations on that level, you know, handling customers and, and setting expectations. Uh, and then again, staying true to your word. You say you're going to do this. Well, you better go and do that. Um, you know, very hardworking gentleman, successful in multiple areas of his life. And I really just absorbed a lot of information from him in my three year stint that I was there. So right, right around the two year mark, maybe two and a half year mark, it got to the point where I was like, I'm getting the itch again. Yeah. So, um, it was time to move on. And, and, you know, then I went out and, and formed the, the new business, um, in September of 20 to September, 2009. So we literally just hit 10 years. Wow. Okay. So let me back up. It yep. seems to me that that God put a very, very wise man in your life, uh -huh. not just about business, but about all things, all the things, all the gaps in your life that you needed uh, were, were put in place right at the perfect time, uh, at least when you were willing to listen. Correct. Um, he takes you under his wing. You help him. You've got some amazing talents to bring uh, to him and add value to him. What's it like leaving someone like that and, 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 and knowing what they've done for you? It was a hard call. You know, um, I knew that uh, he kind of went out on a limb and took a risk on me. Um, our relationship, and I don't necessarily recommend this for anyone who is in a, uh, a leadership role, but our relationship was way beyond uh, employer and employee. Yeah. You know, uh, he's still a dear friend to this day. Uh, Tom, I can hear that in your voice, how much yeah. you care about this man. And, and um, that's awesome. I, I, I really, I was hoping that you would say we still have a great relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've got me hooked. Um, <laughs> we're, we're at the point right now where uh, it's your rebound. It, uh, talk to me about what you did different. 
Sure. So uh, I have a keen ability to sense opportunity. Uh, it's just, I don't know, I don't call it a gift, call it a, a sixth sense. My now business partner, uh, who I'm a co-owner with at my company, he calls me up and um, I had worked with him for the three-year stint at that custom car audio uh, store right after my, my trade school in Boston. Yeah. And him and I clicked. Yeah. We worked very well together. I learned a lot from him. He's 10 years my senior. Um, definitely had a little more you know, real-world experience. Calls me up and he goes, hey, we got this opportunity to go do this, this work. It's a little different than what we normally do. Uh, you want to possibly come and, and get involved. All right, cool. So we start. Before long, what we deemed our side work was busier than our day jobs because he, he still had a, uh, he was still working as an employee at the time as well. Mm. So we get to that point where it's like, all right, well, what do we do here? Do we continue working these W2 jobs and, you know, do a little bit of moonlighting on the sides or do we fully commit, team up together and make this happen? And this was not the first time we had had this conversation. Over the years, we had had this conversation about three or four different times and it was just never the right timing. You know, he was getting married. He was having a kid. I bought my first house. The timing was never right. But here we go now. Here we are, 2009, and everything's lining up. Okay, well, I have to pause again because this yep. is the Cage Vision podcast, and we talk about each week we want to provide encouragement and confidence to those who have a vision uh, for what they want to do. It's caged. Uh, talk to me about that process of you know that you want to do it. You've talked about what it's going to and what's the difference between not the right timing and an excuse, part one of the question, Part two of the question, how in the world is 2009 when the rest of the world's falling apart? How is that a good time to do yeah. it? <laughs> you know, part one of that question, I don't know. I, I haven't pinpointed what the determining factors are necessarily on a lot of these issues. Now, looking at it now, it's different. But then, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do. I don't know if I was sensing the energy that was around this dude, if you want to believe in that. Uh, if it's something that, that God himself was putting in front of us, I don't know, but something just told me it was time to move forward and move on. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I'm good with that answer. Yeah. Part two of it. It definitely was not the right time to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let's, I mean, this was, you've gone from a, what was a splurge? Yep. I mean, you know, at, stripping out all the audio equipment and adding more expensive is, is a nice to have. Yeah. So Okay, so it's not the right time yet. You you see a niche mm -hmm. that says this is the right. Maybe maybe timing's not perfect, but this is the right opportunity. Correct. We we were getting in. I wouldn't say it was ground level, but it was a step or two above ground level, and it just seemed like the right thing to do. Okay. So you know, we we went, and here we are. We're, we're these two these two badass car stereo installers. We've been doing this a long time, and literally can do anything we want when it comes to auto sound in a car. Yeah. And we have this opportunity to go install this new technology that only takes three wires, three connections to the vehicle to operate. Now, let me put this into perspective for you, okay? The typical remote start installation is about 32 different connections to make it operate properly in a vehicle, okay? You have to know what each circuit does and how to integrate with it perfectly. So we go from something that's very complex over to something that's very basic. So what this enables us to do, since we have such a great skill set, 
at this point and our technical chops are there is we can we can go and crank out this work faster than most people can because we understand why and how things work mm. and uh, we got heavily involved in the gps tracking industry mm. so well i want to um pause there and highlight a couple things uh simple means fast mm-hmm. and speed when you're talking about margin and you're talking about time is is critical uh when it relates to man hours and getting something installed because i'm sure somebody pays for the for the product installed not um i don't know that the burdensome is you know they're otherwise said if it takes you 10 hours or takes you one hour Mm -hmm. they're not going to pay for they don't want to pay for the 10 hours just because that's an inefficient job is that correct yep very fair to say it's a flat rate this is what we're getting paid for it and that's it now to kind of go off your point there we came from the complete opposite so we came from the industry where it was all right here's a seventy thousand dollar job and you know you have roughly twelve thousand dollars of that is going into labor well do the math, even at $100 an hour, you're talking multiple, multiple hours to get that work done. So something where we were very project-based, long-term inside of a vehicle, hmm. to now we're doing something that's very short-term inside of a vehicle. However, there's many more vehicles to do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so you, you know, um, you were, you were sort of a, a custom, not job shop, but you were very customized uh, in, in your delivery to Let's find a way to serve more customers and mm-hmm. not not be so. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When when you've you're overcommitted to a certain customer type, I'm, I'm losing the word, but you know what I'm saying. It makes you vulnerable yep. as a business. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it does. So, um, yeah, September 2009, we cranked up that business and uh, we got real busy installing GPS devices. At the time, we had one main customer. Uh, they had landed an account with Verizon. Oh, wow. So there was, you know, 33 or 34,000 trucks lined up, ready to get done. And, you know, we had our, our, uh, coverage area that we had, and, you know, we had a good chunk of, of that number of vehicles, uh, and it was just busy. And, and, you know, that's just one of the big customers. Now you have Joe's plumbing and, and Jerry's HVAC company and, and ABC food delivery and, the business has completely shifted. So we go from being locked into the four walls of a retail environment or an automotive shop, and now we are completely mobile. We actually go to the customer's location, to their job site, to their facility, mm. and install a product. Mm. So, And also, if people haven't picked up on it now, we went from a, a B2C business to consumer to a B2B. We're going business to business at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get large customers with multiple fleets of uh, scores of vehicles. Yeah. Um, and all right. So you fixed your revenue problem. How did you, what about the business side of it? Oh, that was not fixed until many years later. <laughs> okay. So take, take me there, take me there. Cause so sure. same problems, same problems that persisted in business one persist in business two. Um, and we were just doing the work. The work was coming in more work than we could handle. And you know, we're imperfect action takers over here. <laughs> Okay. That's what we are. And it's, it's, it's actually served me very well throughout my life. But by taking imperfect action means that you, you just go and you get to work and you figure the rest out as you kind of go through it. Yeah. You know, like Abe Lincoln has that famous saying, you know, how do you chop down a tree? You yeah. spend the first, you know, 70% of your time sharpening the ax and then the last 30% cutting down the tree. Well, no, that's not how we did it. 
You just start chopping. <laughs> we just started chopping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what? We got the work done. Um, and it got to a point where we started to need to hire additional people. We brought some people into the team. And uh, things just weren't going right. Um, you know, hiring was, was difficult. It still is to this day, by the way. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done in business. Um, however, I got to a point where a life-altering event popped into, into my life. Uh, I'm married now. Uh, I'm five years married. The business is five years old. My wife tells me she's pregnant. We're going to have a baby. Mm. Okay, cool. I'm excited for it. Ready to go. A couple months into my wife being pregnant, I start, you know, having some deep thoughts and thinking and saying, all right, well, what's going on? How is this going to affect my business, my marriage, uh, my work, things that I do daily? Hmm. And I quickly realized that I was, I was smart enough to realize that I didn't know it all. Hmm. And I knew being a visualist or a person who, who can visualize things, I knew that there was more potential for the business yet I did not know how to connect the dots and, and, and actually implement what needed to get done in order to get us to where my vision was being, what, what the portrait of my vision was. Mm -hmm. So um, I went out on a deep search and, and looked for someone who could coach myself and my business partner and bring us to the next step, the next level. Again, going back to me, when I went to that car audio school, I brought myself to a level that I, I eventually plateaued and I felt the same thing happened again in my life. So here I brought the business to this level. We're doing a couple hundred grand in revenue per year. However, we're working 20 hour days still. I'm driving 40 to 50,000 miles uh, a year in my car, going to customers' job sites. We're not being efficient. And there's more work out there than we can even possibly fathom. Yet we don't have the resources to go out there and get the work done. So you can't scale because you, you haven't built the systems. Right. No systems and the team's too small. So we hire a coach, um, several actually. The first one uh, was okay. He was good enough to grease my gears and get me, get me to love learning again. Mm -hmm. I've always loved learning. Again, as we mentioned earlier, I don't like learning on someone else's terms. Kind of like, you know, hey, get me involved in something and just let me go and I will learn at my own pace. And um, he had me read a couple books and that was it. I never forget. He goes, uh, you got to read a couple of books and let me give you some titles. I said to him, my exact words, like, who has time for that? I don't have time to read, mm. you know? And I challenge people to this day that, that throw that back at me. Like, no, you don't, you don't have time not to read first of all. No, you okay. Don't. And have you ever heard of this thing called an audiobook? Yeah. So here I am in my car, 40, 50,000 miles a year. I'm in the perfect place to learn. I'm sitting behind the wheel eight to 10 hours a day on top of working. Mm. So why not crank out two or three audiobooks in a week? And that's eventually what started to happen. And I'm listening to these audiobooks. A lot of it was entrepreneurial mindset, business related. And these people are, are speaking in these books. And I feel as if they're talking directly to me because I'm in the situations that they're going over and talking about in the books. And Tom, let me guess, the more you listen, the more the uh the 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 flashes of light that have been floating around in your head started to brighten and then yeah. they started to connect mm, totally is that what happened that's a lot of what happened well, a lot speaking, of what happened i'm speaking from experience here but you know <laughs> yeah i mean i can't say enough about learning and reading and, and and continuing your education on a daily basis no matter how old you are and it doesn't have to be formal 
Yeah. I barely got out of high school. I don't have a college degree. Yeah. You know, but I love learning. Yeah. Okay. So you hired a couple coaches. You, you guys are the, 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 really the world's your oyster. You got, you, you were early into this game. How did you fix it? How did you fix it where you, um, where you, you know, you're having a child and you said, all right, I, I got to do something different. Take me back there. Well, a couple of things. Um, you know, we, we, we started implementing some systems. We started leveraging software. Uh, prior to coaching, we, we didn't have any software in the business except for email, <laughs> email and QuickBooks. Someone would send us a job and, you know, we'd have to get in contact with them. Like, oh my God, I don't have the guy's number. And you, we, would, we would sort through emails looking for contact information. Yeah. And like, wow, this is just not efficient. Okay. So we listened to the coach. He says, you guys need a CRM. We went out and we got a CRM. Um, <clears throat> we wound up choosing Infusionsoft. Yeah. And we, we got involved, mostly me, to be quite honest with you. I got heavily involved in the Infusionsoft community because a lot of like-minded individuals there. And I met some really talented, smart people, which led me to my next coach. And we wound up sticking with him for a couple of years and um, just really revolutionized the business. Um, really started implementing systems and processes and follow up with customers and making us look professional. Mm. Pro pro looking professional is so key, you know, especially in a business to business uh, arena. And that alone just brought in more business because we looked more professional than two guys in a truck who were going to the job site. Mm. So, um, Fast forward a little further, and we were having some major hiring woes. So we're here, we're here at this business. It's me. It's my partner. We're still somewhat in the field doing work, but we're starting to pull ourselves out very slowly. Uh, we're hiring a couple more people. Uh, at the time, I think the team size was maybe seven, eight people. Nothing, nothing drastic. Yeah. And um, we had three bad hires back to back to back hmm. for installation technicians. And like these guys came in, we thought that they had the skill set to do the work and they didn't even last 90 days. Hmm. So every Friday I would go into my coach's office and we would meet for two or three hours. I go in there and um, he looks at me and he goes, uh, dude, you don't look good. <laughs> you look a little down to be honest with you. And I've known this guy for quite some time and we're very transparent, open, blunt to the point. Yeah. We're very New York with each other. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I said, yeah, I said, Dean, you know, I'm having a rough time here. Like we had, we just had three bum hires. This last guy who I thought was our saving grace called it quits. And now I have to go, go and put my, you know, my installation clothes back on and pick up my tool bag because there's nobody else capable of going to do the work in the business. So here I am trying to build the business so I can get out of doing the day-to-day -day work and work more on the business and in the business. And here I am going right back to working in the business. It's so like, this is awful. He looks at me and he goes, um, you know, I've, I've been telling you now for about two and a half years that you need to get real clear on your core values and implement them throughout your, your business and your team. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I, I don't know what else to do at this point this is what you're telling me now repeatedly. So I guess we're going to have to go ahead and do it. At this point, I was desperate. I was like, what, whatever it takes, whatever you suggest, if there's a magic pill I can take, uh, can we go away for a two day training? I, I didn't matter. I was going to go do it. Uh, 
Yeah, but you're but you're you you've moved past the quick fixes. Oh the yeah, lo, the low hanging fruit's gone. It's gone. We we've gotten all that already with our first you know involved sessions with him and and some other coaches. Yeah. So the, the low hanging fruit is gone. Now we got to deep dive deep not only into the business but our our lives personally. So now the complexity that's added here when you have a business partner is you have two people. They're not going to be the same. My partner and I are complete polar opposites. Mm. Yet that's one of the reasons why we work so well together. Mm. Yeah. So his core values, are they aligned with mine? Yes, but not fully. He has some different values than I do, but we have enough values that align where we work well together. Mm. So we went into Dean's office and it took us six months to hash out these values and get ultra clear and start developing and, and figuring out what the exact culture we wanted within our organization. Hmm. It was uh, definitely very difficult. It was not quick, but I will tell you this. Since getting clear on core values and implementing our purpose and our mission and, and teaching our team what these things mean, our business has just doubled in size and, and it's, it's much healthier. Um, it's gotten to the point now, luckily when you're on the road and you see all these different businesses, you can easily go into a business and within the first 30 seconds, you can assess the health of that business from a culture standpoint. A lot of it's visual, a lot of it's the feeling that you get from the employees that are there, attitude, happy, that kind of stuff. And I got to see what some of these businesses were doing that had amazing culture. I could see what they were doing, what, the, what their places looked like, how their employees interacted with my team. And I said, that's what I want. Mm. Uh, and then it was just a matter of diving in and figuring out, all right, how do we put these pieces together? And that's where the coach comes in. The coach enabled us to go through that process and really helped with it. Well, Tommy, you've, had, you've got just an amazing story and a great journey. And I'm so glad that you've come on the show to share this. How do people get in touch with you? Real simple. You can hit me up at my website, uh, thomaskeenan.com. You can also send me an email over there, thomas at thomaskeenan.com. Uh, just so everyone knows, I don't have an H in my name. It's formerly Tomas, so there is no H. Uh, um, you can also check us out over at topclassinstallations.com. Uh, and you can easily search for me anywhere on social media. I'm all over LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, very easy to find me over there. Oh, very, very cool. And, you know, I think uh, you've also, can they find your book if they yeah, go to the website? That's true. So if you head over to thomaskeenan.com, you can find my book. There's a link there where you can actually download. Um, I'm sorry, the link brings you right over to Amazon where you can purchase either a Kindle copy or a, uh, a paperback. And I have uh, the audiobook version is soon to be released, probably by the end of this week. Oh, yeah, of right. course you do. Of course you do, because you want to tap into those people that need, that are on the road and need to learn and they're car is their library and yep. yeah that's awesome all right i always close with this question if you could give one piece of advice to your 20 year old self what would it be don't forget to put time in for yourself daily mm, that's a good one yeah and that's it's a slow fade isn't it tom yeah it is you know you and that 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 goes into a bunch of different areas you know we're talking your your health you got to, you know, take care of your health and your fitness. You got to take care of your mind. You got to read, listen to podcasts, um, you know, and you, you have to spend, for me personally, I'm, I'm a hybrid. I'm a little bit more of an introvert than an extrovert. So I have to spend alone time daily. Mm. Mm. 
I love it. Hey, Tom, thanks for being real. Thanks for being genuine. And uh, each week, listen, we're, our goal is to encourage people, build confidence, and, and let them know that uh, if they've got a vision for what they want to achieve, uh, work towards getting that unlocked because it's worth the journey. And hopefully they'll go to your website and learn about your book because this podcast is probably just a fraction of what's in there. So thanks for being on the show. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Likewise. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much.